Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. An Erios production. Okay, guys, so I'm here in my kitchen today, and I'm going to make my first delicacy sandwich. 15 years ago, I used to go to a place in New York City called Chilotsky's Deli Sandwiches. It was literally God to me, and 15 years later, I'm still in search of a sandwich that tastes just like that. So this morning, I decided to get up and try to create a sandwich just like that for the summer. Okay, so we'll start with my favorite type of bread. It's called artisan ciabatta. Okay, so now here I have um, a little bit of goat cheese, just a little bit, and some almonds, and I've cut them up. And um, actually, both of those together um, are very, very good flavor. Okay, so now right beside the goat cheese and almonds, I have a little bit of shredded chicken and turkey. Okay, so now what I have here is basically a little bit of avocado, the chicken, the goat cheese and um, almonds, and the lettuce, and also have it's like pear, it's sheared pear, and you would think that that would be really odd. It looks like fish, but it's not. It's very, very sweet, and it adds something like a really, really different taste to the sandwich. Okay, so I've put them all together, and I've made a tiny sandwich. A little goes a long way. So you don't need a huge sandwich for the summertime. Something kind of small and a little French will kind of do for me. Just do a little bitty cut and have your baby two triangle, and voila. It's a beautiful little sandwich. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing? Is everyone doing as well as Britney Spears is? Because Britney is doing fantastic. She is now making sandwiches on her Instagram, the Instagram that keeps evolving. Think back to a few years ago where she started just doing the fashion shows in the hallways of her home. And then now, a few years later, she's doing the outfit changes, you know, where she swings her hips and points to the right. And then we get a Britney to the right in a new outfit. You know, it's always evolving. And now she's making sandwiches. And gosh, this was a great, it wasn't even a reel. It was just a, a video on her Instagram, but cut together. Maybe it was a reel, but none of that matters because we got to talk about some of the details in this. Uh, and and that is, okay, the first is Brittany wanted to uh, recreate her favorite sandwich from this deli in New York City. And she says, you know, she's going to make the sandwich. She loves this deli in New York. And she said, so today I'm making my first delicacy sandwich. And she meant to say my first delicatessen sandwich. So that was the first thing that stood out to me. The second was 
Brittany goes to chop up some almonds to to put in uh, with the turkey and the chicken. She was doing a real combo. I can't do that. I'm either going turkey or I'm going chicken or I'm going whatever the protein may be. I'm not doing any mixing and matching of my birds, you know. That's not that's not how I like to eat a sandwich. But hey, Brittany was getting really creative, but she takes almonds and she says that she was going to chop them up and put them in with with all this stuff. One, they look like walnuts to me. They do do not look like almonds. And then please, please go on to Instagram and watch Brittany chop these almonds. She has never held a knife, which makes me believe that she has never been allowed to hold a knife this sharp. And it might be the first time she's she's ever done this. She was just kind of like throwing the knife down with one hand, not even using two. It it was it, it was like watching an, a 10 year old use a knife or or like a girl in middle school um who who's going to have a terrible kitchen accident it was um it was it was something it was really something the other thing she said this is my favorite bread so first take some bread this is my favorite bread it's artisan ciabatta instead of artisan artisan she like couldn't get words out or something um but you know, this was her first video like this. So she's ironing out the kinks. It was very entertaining. And she seemed to really enjoy her sandwich. And she gave us a tip. It's a summer sandwich. So when making sandwiches in the summer, they shouldn't uh, be that big. We don't need a big sandwich. And she said very French. Is Are tiny sandwiches French? I don't know. It was a great video. And she had a real pep in her step. And I believe that is because she went to a wedding with Sam. She was the plus one. And God, did she look happy to be there. This was all over Sam's Instagram. The two of them at this wedding, Sam was actually the best man. And we got to see video of the two of them on the dance floor. We saw their name cards. It was just really sweet to see Brittany having just such a great time. She was so grateful to be there. Like she loved being at that wedding. There was nothing that she, she just enjoyed every bit of it. I mean, this is, you know, what I'm gathering, but from images and a couple of quick videos, the, what was interesting to me is that she and Sam were on the dance floor and as they're dancing, no one's looking at them. Like no one cares. It was very much everyone looking at the bride which is exactly how it should be. But I just loved that. It seemed like Brittany was able to have a really normal life experience. And I'm so happy about that. You know, Brittany's not the greatest dresser. We all know this. And I, I feel like that. I feel, I feel like this. I call, I call my real friend Brittany all the time, my friend Brittany Ross. And and I'll just be like, I, I don't I don't know how to dress. And I'm really feeling that coming out of this pandemic. I'm like, what are clothes? Like, what is that? What are what are we supposed to wear? And Brittany at this wedding is wearing a very short cocktail dress um that has like a cutout at the top. It has one sleeve, and then it the dress also has a built-in choker. And then Brittany's wearing these pumps, but they're very dated. And then she's wearing a wool coat, like a camel-toned wool coat that might even have a hood. And she's wearing it wrapped around her shoulders while on the dance floor. It was very bizarre. But that is how I feel, that I look in fashion all the time. So I... I even though I'm like, Brittany's not a good dresser, that is a judgment, but also I'm like cool with it because that's how I feel about myself. And I'm, I'm happy as a clam just moving through my day. And also it reminded me of how I've been feeling lately, slowly leaving the home and reentering society. And, and I, I'm like, what am I going to wear to do that? And what happens now? And like, I put lipstick on and it feels like I'm, you know, a three-year-old and I stole my mom's makeup and I'm like, nah, 
like just you know trying to figure out do I do this still like do I still wear makeup and I feel I feel like a clown when I leave and I'm wearing makeup and and I think that this is how Brittany feels when she leaves the house because she doesn't do it often and she's been living in quarantine for a very very long time so Brittany's had a really big couple of days, but I feel the energy. I think that going to that wedding inspired her to make this cooking video. But I really, if you if you want to laugh, go and watch Brittany make a sandwich. Um, she just, she gives and she gives and she gives. Today on the show, it's a big episode. We have Tess Barker and Barbara Gray. They have a Brittany podcast, Brittany's Graham, and they released a voicemail that was sent to their hotline. And it is what I think really, really put into motion the the Free Britney movement. They were a part of the New York Times doc and and they're working on something now. We'll, we'll talk about that and very busy. And I was so grateful that they, you know, gave me the time and, and sat down with me. And it was also really nice to talk to other people who love Britney and and who have a podcast about Britney. And, and also, I mean, throughout the entire conversation, I was really trying to work through, you know, my my own relationship to Britney and how it's changed since doing this podcast. So I... I feel like it was a a therapy session and and you guys are going to have access to this. So either you're welcome or I'm sorry. You know, it depends. <laughs> but you can call this hotline and let me know what you think. I, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it was like for them. E- even, even, even still. And I, I mean, I asked them and we had the conversation, but what it was like the days after releasing that voicemail of the paralegal who worked with Brittany and had an understanding of just how limited she is in making decisions for herself because of this conservatorship. It was it was so interesting. It was just it was great to be able to sit down and, and talk with them. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. One really fun thing, this has nothing to do with Brittany. And it has nothing to do with any pop stars, but you know, the Oscars were this past Sunday. And the the gentleman who won Best Cinematography, the Oscar for Cinematography, he, I went to college with him. And his name is Eric Messerschmidt. And he won for, for Mank. And I'm just, I'm just blown away by that. I think it's just so cool. I, I can't, I can't believe it. I, I, I wish I had a better word than cool, but can't stop thinking about it. Just it really, really got my week going in a great way. So I just wanted to tell you all that. And I wanted to tell you this too. I am headed to Atlanta. And I'm headed to Atlanta to do some work. So I'm going to take a couple of weeks off from the podcast. So I just want you to know that there won't be a new episode next week. Wish me luck out there, guys. I'm headed down south. I've never spent time in Atlanta before, and I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait to get on an airplane. It's been a long time. Yeah, I'm ready for an adventure. I'm uh, really going to miss my dog, though. Really going to miss my dog and my husband. My dog, though, uh, I'm really going to miss my dog. I, I, we, It's just, I love my dog. All right, this one's for all the dog lovers out there. Guys, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tess and Babs. So here we go. We're finally we're finally meeting. We're big fans. We love your show. It's we're happy to be here. Thanks so much for for doing this, especially now. I mean, you guys are at the forefront of uh, of the of the movement 
of the documentary. I mean, what uh, what an exciting time. I don't know about you guys, but the week after the doc, I mean, I'm sure it's even so much more for you guys. I was I was exhausted and I wasn't even a part of it. Yeah, there are like no words like <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was like nonstop. Yeah, like we were waking up to like texts from people in Scotland and <laughs> just it was it was insane. Yeah. Yeah, that was bar none one of the wild wildest weeks I've ever <laughs> experienced. Yeah. <laughs> how much longer before like how long before the doc came out did you guys film? Uh we filmed it in July, so I guess what is that? About 5 months, 5 or 6 months. Yeah, like 7 months before, so in this yeah, in the summer last year. So you're just sitting with that knowing that this is going to come out. And what was that like those 7 months leading up to its release? I mean, the thing is, we knew it was going to be a good documentary. That's why we did it. You know, we we love Sam's vision or Samantha Stark, the director, and we knew what she was doing was going to be awesome. But we didn't have, I don't think, really any concept of how big of a splash it was going to make. Like, we knew it was going to be a good piece, but the it was a total surprise. Um, yeah, just the effect that it ended up having and just the, the audience that ended up watching it. That wasn't something we anticipated at all. Yeah, you and Justin Timberlake. I feel like he <laughs> right. knew about it and he was waiting to see what the response would be and was hoping it was going to blow over. And then, as we all know, it did the opposite. And I think, um, you know, that pushed him to to say something. Exactly. I, know. I would love to start by by asking you both. I mean, everyone knows your podcast, Brittany's Graham, you released the the voicemail that launched a thousand ships um in the direction of you know helping Brittany have more of a voice in her conservatorship and desire to not have her dad be at the forefront of that. And I just want to ask you guys where you're from and what your relationship to Britney Spears was in the early aughts and growing up and before the conservatorship. Well, I'm actually from Ventura County, where Brittany lives now. Um, so Ventura County is it's a suburb of L.A. that's north of, of Los Angeles. And it's very, I think what makes me a Brittany fan is probably part of why Brittany likes Ventura County now. It's a very kind of like, it's a place that likes uh, Pacific Sunwear and chunky flip-flops and <laughs> anklets and stuff like that. So I think there was always something about Brittany's whole aesthetic and her whole vibe and just how much she embraced just who she really was and that she she didn't ever try to be hip or interesting. She always just really embraced the fact that she was someone who liked Starbucks and just who liked Pottery Barn and places like that. So I think that was something that I really latched onto with her early on is she kind of like gave me permission just to be like, yeah, I like mainstream stuff. <laughs> I don't know, you know, Velvet Underground's B-sides. I like just like what Kiss FM is feeding me, you know? So I think really early on, that's part of what really made me love her so much is that she really represented that. Yeah. And did you go to the concerts and things like that? Oh, yeah. Well, my first Britney concert was actually Circus. I wanted to go to like the earlier ones, but um, I just, I guess, never, I was too young. I didn't have the money or whatever. But uh, yeah, my first Britney concert was Circus. I've seen her five times. I saw Circus twice. Femme Fatale, and then I saw her in Vegas twice. Uh, and the first time I saw her, I honestly thought I was going to pass out. Like, because at that point, I'd been a huge Britney fan for, you know, nine or ten years. And just seeing her, and like, she was this larger-in-life kind of, like, superhero to me. And I'll never forget, like, the first time I saw her in the flesh, like, come onto the stage. Like, I, I, I was just screaming and crying and dizzy. And, you know, it was, yeah, it was an incredible experience. That's so interesting, too, because... You saw her, that was the beginning of her conservatorship. Mm -hmm. And I, those are the years, those are the years that I didn't see Britney in concert. Like I was all like the early, the early Britney, mm. um, like her first show and, and then all the ones leading up to circus. How about you, Barbara? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm more your like everyday Britney fan, you know, Br like we came into this with Tess probably being the more hardcore fan, but I remember growing up, I grew up in Salt Lake City and, you know, obviously very conservative town. I wasn't Mormon, but everything I did was influenced by being in a, you know, super Mormon place. So I do remember seeing her and just being like, wow, because I was like a very like, <laughs> whatever, you know, I wanted to like be sexual and be, you know, a teenager, basically, but that wasn't really like allowed, like literally no one had sex or, 
you know, everyone was just a goody goody. So I remember just like really admiring her for that and like being like, oh, my God, like someone's able to express themselves that way. And I I like I want to do that, you know, so there's even a video of me like me and my friends doing a dance to baby one more time where I'm kind of like going for it. And it's so embarrassing to watch. (laughs) (laughs) But you can see that I think like it kind of was like, oh, I was like lent that freedom a little bit, you know, to kind of like be this this naughty girl who doesn't fit into like the Salt Lake, you know, <laughs> mold. So, um, yeah, I just always remember her beat. She was just, her music was always there, you know, it was just always in the background. Like, I don't remember the first time I saw her necessarily, like her videos, but I just remember her always being kind of like omnipresent. And then as I got older, just, I started DJing dance parties and, you know, it was just like, she was just, yeah, always there and always like, the best moments of our life were, you know, that drop until the world ends when you're kind of like waiting for it to come back and all that stuff. Oh, so the best. And then Tessa, I've only seen her once, but we mean I went with Tess to see the Femme Fatale tour in L.A. So that was oh, incredible. That's an, so how long have you both known each other? A long time. Over 10 years. We met when I moved to L.A. in 2008. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Gosh, time flies. That's amazing. You guys have had Britney moments, I mean, together before. I mean, you've seen her in concert before you even start, way before you started your podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Babs and I's friendship, uh, you know, it's based on a lot of things, but definitely very dance party heavy. Um, so I think that was something we always, we were always like the girls in our friend group that were wanting to throw parties or have dance parties or be dancing all night. And Brittany was always like a huge part of that. I mean, yeah. How could she not? It is interesting how no matter if you are a Brittany fan or not, she has been a part of the, the culture for the entire 20 years that 20 plus years now that she's been a pop star. And I think too, like, well, one, I think she's an absolute mirror for what is going on in culture. And I mean, I think that that's why I, one of the many reasons why I'm really excited to talk to you guys today. Um, And I think that the, the doc really set this up where, you know, all of us were kind of sitting with ourselves and, all of us were saying we need to do better because it's how we participate in culture. And I, I hope, I hope that it doesn't swing in the complete opposite direction. And sometimes I get just truly overwhelmed when it becomes like, we will right the wrongs. And then it's like, wait, 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 guys, I think we're, I think we've missed the point. I think now we've gone a little too far and we're not, you know, treating people like human beings. Because I, th- I don't know about you guys, but it's like after seeing it all together and already feeling this way, it's like, wow, one, we just really rooted for someone to fail. Like even myself being concerned about Britney so, so badly, like especially in 2007, 2008, but reading the magazines, buying the magazines, like that was my favorite thing to do was like, go get my nails done. Or when you were going to go to the airport and you were going to get on a flight and you're like, I'm just going to go and I'm going to like drop like $30 on all these magazines and get on the plane and just like, you know, touch down and see what's going on with Brittany. But the stories that were being told were all terrible. I mean, I, I, forget what the numbers are, but the year that all of that was going on, she was on the cover of most every single week of all the tabloids, but they were all negative Mm -hmm. stories. I mean, she was just this like massive cash cow. And, and it's kind of like, you know, when I went to Vegas and I saw her and I went to the meet and greet and I put my hand on the small of her back and I was like, I think I've contributed to this. Like it didn't Mm -hmm. feel good. It didn't feel it didn't feel right. That was like my first kind of like inkling, like, oh, I don't know what, what is all of, what is all of this? It's like, I love her. And am I participating in something that is contributing to the demise of this person's spirit? You know, it's like, it's so complicated. And I wonder if you guys could talk a little bit about, you know, when I first started doing my podcast, it was like, I couldn't stop talking about Britney Spears and my friend's it was also I was looking for my people like I felt like I moved out here I didn't know you guys and I I wish I had because when I first moved out to Los Angeles and during my college years I kind of felt like a lone wolf and I was like you know 
there were so many people in those stadiums. I went to all those concerts. Where did those people go? Like, where are <laughs> they? I, 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 I'm, I'm alone out here. And then when I started doing the podcast, I was like, oh my gosh, I really feel like I found my people and the community and people wanting to share, you know, what Brittany means to them, meant to them, how she helped them in their journey. Uh, and it was really, you know, a joy filled space to reminisce and to, you know, be nostalgic together. And so I, I wonder, you know, what was the beginnings, you know, what was the intention behind starting Britney's Graham? You know, really? Well, first of all, we had a, we have another podcast that's just a comedy podcast. It's just Babs and I and our other co-host, Brandy Posey. And we've had that show, Lady to Lady, for I think nine years now, Babs? Eight or nine yeah. years? So that is, you know, just a straightforward hangout, fun comedy show. Uh, and we were at brunch. I think we were at a comedy festival. And that was the day that the painting on the veranda Instagram post dropped. It's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, And for a while we had, I think like a lot of people like in our text threads and Instagram threads, we had like a group of girlfriends that we were always just like overanalyzing her posts because there was like, there was a certain je ne sais quoi to them. Like they were fascinating. You know, I don't think anyone knew exactly what was going on, but like every single post she dropped just felt like this like really valuable nugget that felt very exciting and fascinating. Uh, So the day the painting on the veranda post dropped, like all of our girlfriends were texting us like, what is this post? What, you know, like we all just had questions about it. Uh, And Babs had the idea, like, what if we start like a super niche podcast where literally all we do is like take very seriously Britney's Instagram posts and do like a really close read of them? Like, you know, so the comedy, I guess, of the podcast, it was supposed to be the sort of like very silly idea where the comedy was supposed to come from us, like taking her Instagram posts a little bit too seriously. Yeah, we were because, you know, there were at this point we'd been doing our podcast for a while. And obviously there's still co- new podcasts coming out, but there's so many that I was like, oh, we need like a really niche. If we were going to do anything else, it was going to have to be super specific and like almost stupidly specific. And that's yeah, what the idea is. We're just like, OK, let's just take her posts too seriously. Let's overanalyze her emojis. Let's, you know whatever just go deep let's pause it and be like oh what's that painting in the background so yeah that was really just the impetus for the beginning of it it was pretty like straightforward (laughs) and then as it's starting and you're you know you're doing these episodes and I mean I guess it's like I'm processing I'm processing things for myself as well but then the fans start to engage and the Britney family is is like any family. <laughs> we are complicated. We are we are complex. We've got a few crazy cousins. We've got the wacky aunts. We've got the uh you know the the overprotected parents. We have the self-righteous sister. I mean, we've got mm-hmm. it all. And so what was that like for you guys as you start engaging with the fans and this starts happening? I mean, I think one of the things I always considered myself a huge Britney fan, and of course I still do, but one of the things I realized right off the bat is like on the spectrum, I'm nowhere near the high end. We would get, you know, we would misstate the date that a music video was made and get all these tweets like, no, how could you guys not know that? This is who directed this and that's who did that. And so I think pretty early on we realized, oh, there are some fans who really, really have done their homework and know their trivia and have retained their shit. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I get in trouble for this all the time. So I finally had to say, guys, I need you all to know I'm not a Britney expert. I'm a Britney intuitive. I feel very (laughs) close to what's going on with her spiritually. I don't know the stats. I just know how she makes me feel. And I feel like I know how she feels. That's a good way to put it. But I think like mostly it was very positive. You know, I think people understood what we were doing, which was that we were just having a good time and like really talking about the spirit of what we love about her and why we love her Instagram, you know, because we felt like it was a window into her when there isn't really any window into her. So we just really I think it was a pretty good relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, the voicemail line was pretty much just people kind of playing along with us, kind of being like willing to go on the journey of like, oh, let's say over, you know, let's look at these emojis or whatever we were doing at the time. So I think people were definitely willing to like understand what kind of what the joke was and that we were having fun with it. And how far into the podcast did you receive the voicemail? Let's see. I bet I guess it was about a year and a half in. Yeah, so we started the voice or we started the podcast November 20, 2017. And uh-huh. then 
we got the voicemail in April. April 2019. So yeah, a year and a half. Yeah. So we had already, on the podcast, things had already started changing because um, Tess had started going to the hearings and she was she was already like investigating basically. And then when they dropped the news that Britney was basically, you know, she did the whole the whole cancellation of dom- her upcoming residency and then she disappeared, you know. So on the podcast, that's when it really started going deeper because it was like, well, we don't have any posts to talk about. We're already digging around in here. Let's keep going. So it just was more like analyzing of court documents and stuff like that, really finding out what this conservatorship was about. And then when they dropped the news that she had been she was in a mental health facility and she'd been there for a week. We were like, well, what the fuck? She's been gone for way longer than that. Where is she? You know, and we made a podcast about that. And then the paralegal heard that and left a voicemail after that podcast episode about, you know, where she actually was. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And who and who received that voicemail out of the two of you? Who heard it in their ears and was like, whoa? I did. It was like, I get chills every time I think about it. I was, you know, I was up late editing the podcast. I had like was almost done. I had like cracked my after work beer and we had like I was going to edit. We always put these little silly voicemails at the end of the episode. So I was finishing up the episode and I went to go check our voicemail inbox to choose like a few cute voicemails to play. And I noticed one that was like a lot longer than the rest of them. So I just thought, okay, let me listen to this one. And, you know, from the first three seconds, you know, when he's like, hi there, you know, I I can't say who I am, but you guys are on to something. The hair just like stood up on my arm. My husband was out in the living room watching TV. And I was like, oh, my God, you're not going to believe what I just got. And then I called Babs. She was I think she was you were like two hours late. You were like in Texas, Babs. So you were like even two hours later. Yeah, I was in Austin. So it was pretty it was pretty late where I was. So it was weird to get a call from her that late because I was like, she wouldn't be, you know, calling me so late for no reason. So I, I felt like something was up. But yeah, she called me. She was like, you have to listen to this voicemail. And I listened to it in the basement of my like, I was staying at a friend's place who's like rich from selling a game or something. He's some rich Austin guy. And I was there all by myself in this like big, creepy house. And I was just like listening to this creepy voicemail. And it, was, <laughs> it was such a weird like moment. It was just such a weird moment. And we were just like, holy shit, you know. There's something here. And I flew back like a day early so we could like figure it out and just, you know, try to figure out how to get it out there. Yeah. And what was that process like? Was there any at any point that you guys questioned whether or not to release it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we felt like it was information needed to get out there. But, you know, we wanted to vet him and, and who he was. So we made sure we did that. And then we talked to lawyers about we were like scared that we were going to get sued or that her team was you know what I mean so so we were like trying to do it the safest way possible basically make sure that we could do it in a way that would be 
that would hopefully not get us in any you know, deep shit. But yeah, I mean, it was terrifying. And it also had come on the heels of, like Bab said, like this very kind of tense, you know, three and a half month period for Britney. I mean, I don't know about you, but like really like the the, the announcement of the domination in, in Vegas had been kind of this weird thing. And looking back, I think that was probably day one of her strike. She wasn't into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the cancellation of domination hadn't really sat well with us. We were like, oh, we kind of know about her relationship with her dad. And really, she's canceling a three-year contract to take care of her sick dad? That doesn't totally jive with what we kind of think we know about that dynamic. So it had come on the heels of like kind of months of this really kind of like suspicious, intense situation. Uh, and it, it just sort of felt like... I don't know if burden is the right word, but it felt like this really big thing that in some way we had to deal with because whether we released it or not, that was going to be like this really heavy decision. And what was it like after? I mean, you guys coined the phrase free Britney. And well, we I mean, actually yeah, we, right, is that correct? No, we didn't. It was a uh, Jordan Miller did it when the conservatorship first happened. I know on Breathe Heavy, he had, he had coined it like a long time ago. So there was. There was like a sense of free Britney before that. We just decided to use that as the it made sense to obviously use that as the term. I love that Britney fans coming together and it just takes over the world. I mean, that's pretty (laughs) amazing. It just I mean, it really and also the Internet that's that. I mean, the power of the Internet. I mean, that's just uh, that's just it blows my mind every single time. And so when this started to happen, I mean, I remember I was in Palm Springs and it was my my best friend from high school passed away and she oh, I'm sorry thank you no it's like it was it's she's also she's tied to so many of my Britney memories oh wow and so it ha- she passed away in March and so I was like underwater not really you know t- fully on this earth and and then I went to Palm Springs to to just celebrate life and relax and and rest and and I started getting all these text messages and it was in April and that's when all of this happened and people were like there there's people at the courthouse like someone should go down there are you gonna go down there I was like I'm in Palm Springs I like barely like know my name at this point like what's happening (laughs) and trying to gather information and 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 understand it I mean that's the other thing too is Britney fans, like, I'm a huge fan and I love her. And it's also really hard to gather all the information. I mean, what also what is what is really happening? What is actually happening? What do we know? And then and then also analyzing the what the fans are are feeling Mm. and what they think is happening. Like there's all these different pockets Mm -hmm. and then going like, and, and culture as a whole. And I mean, she just, Brittany carries a lot of power. The girl has just so much power. And what was that like the weeks after releasing that? And at any point were you both, you know, checking in with just finding your core of being like, Whoa, wait, what's happening? Like, did you feel I don't know that that I I feel like I would have been very overwhelmed. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> it was incredibly overwhelming and incredibly nerve-wracking and and it felt like being on Mars or something, you know? It was like nothing that I don't think either of us had ever experienced in our lives. And it was scary and I mean, you know, I I I her team are people that are that can be very scary and we live in Los Angeles and so like for a couple of weeks it was scary to the point of like I was worried like I would be walking to my car and kind of looking around. I mean, it was it was terrifying. Yeah. Like, Tess, are you saying that you were concerned about her team coming to threaten you? Yes. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I necessarily that that was even necessarily a a ground, a founded fear. But I did have that fear, you know, because it was like we were we all of a sudden had been like the story had been thrust into the national conversation. And it just felt like all of a sudden we were very exposed. Yeah, that's what it it felt like. It was just felt like all of a sudden all these people are looking at you and they know you have this thing and you're just it was it was very overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like you guys have your very own deep throat. I mean, this is Yeah. It's and it's real. It's just like the it's the oh gosh, our world is such a is such a dumpster fire sometimes. I that's such a negative way to look at it, but you're like, wow, the the 
you know, deep throat originally, it's like, you know, to take down a presidency. And now it's to dismantle uh, a conservatorship of a pop star. It's just it's, it's so much. It's just so much for my personally for my heart to take. I were you guys threatened at all? Did you I know you had that fear just because of the, you know, culture and and how it feels like a mob and people coming for you and you know I've talked to other people who have worked with Britney one one person who worked with Britney Spears the first year of her conservatorship a hairstylist and Sam Lufty contacted her and got her information and and harassed her through text messages and phone calls and things like that and paparazzi certainly followed Roberta in hopes to get a story on Britney Spears but she didn't feel threatened at all by Jamie or Larry, but then they also made her take a lie detector test to be around Brittany. Mm. So I'm just wondering, were any of those, did any of those fears, you know, come to be a reality? Uh, no, I mean, we never got directly threatened by, you know, anyone in Brittany's camp. Uh, but I think it was just like, we were just our our DMs and our emails. Like it was just this deluge of people. So tons of supportive people, people that had information they wanted to give us, people that were kind of threatening us and saying mean things, just weird trolls that were coming after us. Someone wrote a medium post about us insinuating that we were being investigated by the FBI. I mean, it was just like the whole gamut, I think. So yeah. no, nothing, nothing in like the real world ever manifested itself, thank God. But I think online, it just became this kind of like onslaught of people and it made us you know kind of shy end up shying away for a bit because it was so overwhelming and we felt that people had these huge expectations of us after that so it was like we put out the voicemail and there's all this movement and then we were busy trying to figure out what to do and you know we were trying to be like okay we should make something that people can understand more about this like on a bigger level so we were trying to figure out that and make the podcast and then people were starting to be like well where are you where's the podcast and they wanted more tea and we're like well we like come on <laughs> this doesn't happen every day don't get a voicemail like this like so it got personally very overwhelming for a bit. And we had, we were each just struggled with it in different ways. You know, I went into a deep depression for a while and I couldn't look at anything involving Brittany for, you know, a month or two. And it was just like a real roller coaster of, of emotions and everything. So yeah, it was a lot and a lot of pressure and a lot of people like, you know, being like, you're at the lead of this movement. And it was, I was happy that we had helped you know, get this out there. But we I don't think we were never necessarily being like, we're the spearheads of, you know, we're going to do all this stuff. Like that wasn't something we had ever intended. So it just was a lot. Um, and that's where I'm really grateful for Free Britney because people really stepped up and, you know, we're like, we're going to run these rallies, we're going to organize and we're going to do all this stuff. And they kind of filled in where I don't think we necessarily were able to at that point. So mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm sure too, I mean, Babs, thanks for sharing that about your journey. I mean, I'm sure that that was incredibly overwhelming. And especially, you know, Tess, you being more of the super fan and Brittany feeling so close to you and and Babs, you being a lover of music and then really it was about your friendship and also your involvement in comedy and why you started this journey and then what it evolved into and then just adding the internet into the mix. And I'm sure it was just completely overwhelming. I just can't even imagine. If we hadn't had each other, I don't think that we would <laughs> have been able to soldier on. But luckily, we at least each had someone else who was also going through the same thing. Yeah, it was just a very like isolating thing. So it was like the only other person who could get it, obviously, was each other. I know. Do you ever find that you don't want to talk about Britney? Because I, I feel that sometimes. We're, or more, I'm like... You know, I think about in therapy, we're all a pie and there's all the slices and it's like me as wife, as friend, <laughs> as you, as Britney host. And it's like there's more to me than just Britney. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. I mean, especially right now, because we are we are working on um, an investigative show about the whole situation. So right now we're like 
very, very, very much in writing and producing road. And Babs and I spend about 14 hours a day writing about Britney, investigating Britney, researching Britney, editing stuff about Britney. So yes, right now, <laughs> as soon as my computer closes, I don't want to see anything about Britney. I'm <laughs> show me, show me some Liza Minnelli videos. Show me some Real Housewives. Yeah, I, I need a Britney break. So yeah, certainly right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think is really going on on Britney's social media? Oh, geez. As far as how much control she has or doesn't have, what is your take? Okay. This is such a. <laughs> this is totally my opinion. I I just want to put that out. This is absolute speculation. So, I think that like it's probably like a fifty fifty situation. I think that there are times I don't. And then again, I I I want to really want to make this clear. This is just my guess. I think that there are times where she does kind of just say post this video with this exact caption and that happens. I don't think that she has like a login directly to her account. I do think that there's always a manager who's kind of like posting that content. And then I think there are also times when that social media manager just makes a decision about what's going to go on the feed. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds about right to me. Okay. Project red project Rose. a touch of Rose. Are these about anything specific or is it Britney just being Britney? Okay, so the red thing, again, my opinion, but I don't know if you remember, but like a year ago, she posted, it was like a picture of the ocean, and she really broke down like what different colors symbolized. Do you remember this post? Yes, I do. And she specifically said, and red represents anger in that post. So... I have kind of thought that that's what Project Red is about. I mean, she has, and she's she's said that about, like, roses and the fact, she's, like, she's made it clear on her feed before that certain things do represent certain things to her. Like, roses, I think she had a post a couple years ago that were, like, roses to me represent creativity and artistry. So maybe that means that Project Rose, okay, because I do think that we have to, like, I think one of the biggest tragedies of this situation is that I do think Britney Spears loves performing. I think she loves being Britney Spears, but due to her current situation, she's got to be on strike. She can't perform until the situation gets resolved. And so I think that's why we see a lot of the dances and stuff on her Instagram is because that's her only platform to perform right now. So I think it's totally plausible that Project Rose is about her. Maybe she's writing. Maybe she's working on an album. Maybe that is her way of like hinting to us like, guys, I'm still doing my thing. And as soon as I can, I'm going to release it to you. But wink, wink, like right now, I can't. Do you think that the conservatorship began with good intentions? No, I don't. No, I mean, I don't think, that's really hard to say because I'm not going to say I don't think she, you know, was going through a tough time and maybe maybe needed some help or something like that. But I think knowing what we know now about what conservatorships are and the kind that she was put into when she was put into the, incorrect kind especially um no because it just shouldn't have happened you know there's just less restrictive ways to help someone in that situation do you have any ideas as to what is in that sealed file that judge penny and others have access to which sealed file oh the uh capacity report uh Perhaps, I don't know, but when they talked about it in the doc and that it is, I mean, okay, look, and you feel free to disagree with me. I do think that the, the, at at the very least, the 5150 hold was put in place to save her life. This is, this is, again, this is my opinion. This is my speculation. And I think that her family did not know what to do about her relationship with Sam Lufty and that she was not in her right mind when she was spending time with him. And that the only way to break that relationship was to do this conservatorship. Again, I think maybe it was best of intentions, but that her family is not equipped for any of this. And that then once they're in, I think her dad became perhaps drunk with power and control. And I, yeah. so I, I wonder 
if there is something. I mean, now it's like we she keeps going through and you guys have so much more information about this than I do. But like what what are what's in these files if judges keep reading through this and they keep saying no? Well, I don't. I don't know. I will say, so for a probate conservatorship, what differentiates a probate conservatorship from a mental health conservatorship, which Brittany is not in a mental health conservatorship. And so while her parents may not have known the difference, I think the attorneys that helped conserve Brittany certainly did and should have known the difference between a mental health conservatorship and a probate conservatorship. Now, in a mental health conservatorship, you've got to go, the conservator has to go back to the court every year. And, and say, hey, this person still needs to be in this conservatorship. So that burden is on on the conservator. In a probate conservatorship, you need to file something called the capacity declaration one time and then never again. So the information that was used to conserve Brittany is that capacity declaration is from 2008. And so what what now do you think can be done? Like what's what with everything that you know... What are we hoping for? Someone would have to file to terminate the conservatorship for it to end. And does it have to be someone who was a part of the initial filing for there to be a conservatorship? No, it could be anyone in her family or Brittany or Brittany. But the, but for Brittany to do it, it has to be through her attorney, Sam Ingham. And Sam Ingham, do you give, do you give him a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Uh, I mean, thumbs down. I think thumbs, I don't even want to say neutral, but... I just don't think, you know, he's getting $10,000 a week and it doesn't seem like he is living up to that. Yeah. What is your hope for Britney Spears? Um, My hope for Britney Spears is that she is able to get out of this conservatorship and that when she does, she's just like surrounded by love and wonderful people and support and people that actually care about her as a person and don't look at her and see dollar signs. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he was saying kind of like, I came to this as more of a general Britney fan or someone who knew her, but obviously I've done a lot of studying on who she is and um, really appreciate her for the person that she is, you know. So to me, when you watch, you know, old interviews with her and she says, oh, I'm a mom, you know, that's like what it comes to me first. That's what I would, you know, like for her, I would like for her to be able to um, live her life and not have to deal with, you know, going outside and being harassed by a million people. I mean, I would hope that we could all kind of just let her be. And as far as the conservatorship, I wonder if how how do how does she get the support she needs in order to manage her life? I have this fantasy of like Sarah Jessica Parker or Miley Cyrus coming over to her house and being like, hey, girl, okay, here's how you find a business manager you can trust. These are the yeah, you're not going to know everything, but here's kind of like what you should be checking in on. Yeah. I mean, Whitney Cummings came on here and she said that famous people need to be friends with famous people. And at first you're like, well, why? Only famous people hang out with famous people. That sounds ridiculous. But it's like, no, because you sit down and have the conversations of like, oh, what do you, you know, do, do you have people sign NDAs? Like, how do you do that? Right. Yeah, this is how do you not get how do you not get fucked over? Basically, everyone needs to share that information because yes. someone's trying to do it. So you have to learn how to not. Yeah, Especially if you're able to support people's financial lives. Like if you can help people make money, you're going to be taken advantage of. And how can she learn to you know, protect herself? Take care of her, you know, take care of herself. Yeah. And I do think about with Brittany a lot. Like it's almost like someone maybe someone who helps people after they've left a cult or something you know someone who really helps people like re-enter the regular world because i do think that like people harry. are like she needs she to needs harry. a relationship oh with yes, harry yes. we need the markle family oh my god That's <laughs> i want britney in santa barbara at lunch with megan markle and oprah that yes. is what i want i yes. figure that's my answer that's yes, my answer oprah could, I think yes oprah, and yes. then a nice long morning work session with Susie orman where yes. we break yes. down finances okay all right i like this all right I've only have a few more minutes with with you gals, so I want to uh, ask you a couple of fun questions. Awesome. Okay, let's okay. just bring in the joy, you know. <laughs> All right. Favorite Britney 
dance move. Do you prefer the head roll or the high kick? Ooh. I think head roll because to me that's like kind of like part and parcel with her little laugh. Like it's kind of very flirty and fun and like she feels very in charge when she does that. So I'm going to go head roll. Yeah. I mean, I think of the art. I guess I think I, I'll go high kick. <laughs> it's a classic. The high kick is her is is an older move. I mean, she's still she's still got it. But in the early years, she was doing that left and right all the way up to her all the way up to her ear. All right. Do you prefer long haired Brittany, short haired Brittany, a blunt bob Brittany? Oh, Ooh. I like Bob Brittany. I think that like. Her long hair, I mean, it's obviously beautiful, but it's usually extensions, which I don't think she loves, you know, or she like, so I think like a bob is just like a fresh kind of like natural look for her. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Babs. I mean, I think obviously she looks gorgeous in a lot of those shots where she has the long hair, but as someone who has like occasionally had to wear extensions for like on camera shit, they're really uncomfortable and I want Brittany to be comfortable. So I'm going to go short, comfy bob. I love this. Okay. Toxic or baby one more time. Toxic, one of the best songs of all time. Yeah, I'll say I'll say Toxic. Do you guys have a favorite Britney song? I don't know if I have a favorite, but recently I've been listening to If You Seek Amy a lot. Because I'm like, that was such a punk rock move. Like, she got on the radio, <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> Do you want to know? I, I, di- I didn't know what that meant until three years ago. Thank you. I also did not know. Are you guys serious? Someone told me on my podcast. Tom Link told me on my podcast and it was it was a moment. I was shocked. I mean, I I can't I don't know if I can choose. I think I'll go with um, lucky right now. I mean, it's obviously so sad, but it's just such a good. I would love a breakdown stripped stripped down version of lucky yes oh my god acoustic also i call today for more covers of britney spears songs thank you have you heard that yeah one of the top uh there's a toxic cover by i think it's an israeli singer have you heard this cover no it's like this really trippy spooky like folk cover of toxic and it's Stunning. I should know the singer's name, but I don't. Oh, Tess, thank you for telling me yeah. about that. I'm going to mm-hmm. look that up. Mm-hmm. Toxic is the one that has a lot, has the best covers, I think. I've heard like some bluegrass covers of it. I think that one gets a lot of like cover love. Yeah, but I could go for like a greatest hits. You know, mm-hmm. Miley, if Miley did that, that would be amazing. Oh my God. I would like to hear Miley do every time. I feel like she oh. would crush that. Yes. Crush or what about that. Alicia Keys doing every time? Ooh. Oh, oh, yeah. I could just, I heard it. All of a sudden, I sat with it and I felt it and I could just see her sitting down at the piano. And oh, yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And is there any, is there anything you guys want to tell us about with your upcoming show or what you guys are working on? Um, yeah, so we're going to be launching it this summer. Like I said, we are very much, if you haven't seen us a lot on social media and stuff, it's because we've been like in our little writing cave, just really hunkered down working our, our I know. I was off. like, people are like, where are you guys? And I'm like, we're working our asses <laughs> off. We're working like every single day trying to get this podcast done. It's a, it's, yeah, it's going to be, we're making it with Witness Docs, who is really awesome. They're part of Stitcher and they make, you know, documentary investigative podcasts. So we're basically just, you know, Framing Britney Spears was amazing, but there's so much more to be told, so we're going deeper. With the taste of your lips, I'm on the ride. Young toxic, I'm slipping under. Taste of your poison paradise. I'm addicted to you, don't you know that you're toxic? Talk About Britney is an Erios podcast. It is produced by Maria Blasucci. And if you need to talk about Britney, the We Need to Talk About Britney hotline is here. Just call 814-277-3277. Our phone lines are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because sometimes you just need to talk about Britney. Thanks, guys. Toxic.
Erios. Powered by Acast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.